Welcome to the Backend Engineering Show with your host, Hussein Nasser. This is the show where we discuss the art and the craft of building software and cover recent news on backend technologies. If you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and rate it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. With that said, let's get on on the show. Hey guys, what are you about to listen to is a video that I made on my YouTube channel discussing WebRTC, the web real-time protocol communication in details. Um, And I thought bringing it to the podcast could be actually valuable. Yeah, the video actually discussed some slides. Yes, some slides have some graphics, but I feel that there is value in listening in this uh, to this podcast to this to this content uh, just because I discuss and I and, and I articulate and try to um, kind of discuss different topics of the WebRTC the, there there's so much uh, content when it comes to the WebRTC there's a lot of points to discuss when it comes to this technology it's a very complex technology so I I thought that it's going to be nice for you to just to listen through this. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. You can skip through parts uh, that you that doesn't make sense in the podcast. Like I, I'm going to go through an actual demo. Uh, while you can listen to a demo, it doesn't really make sense without actually watching the video. So if you if you uh, prefer to watch this on YouTube, uh, make sure to follow the link below in the podcast show notes. And I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. WebRTC, or Web Real-Time Communication, is a free open-source project that provides web browsers, mobile applications with real-time communication. We're going to define what that means via a simple application programming interface, API. That's the goal. The goal is let's define a protocol that connects peer-to-peer. That's the shortest possible lowest latency path. And let's provide a nice API that is simple for everyone to use. And once you put it in the browser, it becomes a standard. And once it's a standard, the friction goes away. It's a great technology. How about we jump into it? Guys, you have no idea how long I've been researching this tech. Um, now maybe it's, it's, it's two years now. It's on and off. And you guys gave me a lot of resources and asked me a lot of great questions. And this was one of the most requested video to make on my channel. So here it is. Um, I don't know. I don't know how how long it's gonna take, but there is a lot of work. There is a lot of content. Uh, there's some demos that we're gonna do. But here's my plan for this video. We're gonna discuss WebRTC as an overview. That means it's this is we're gonna remove the details first. 
this is for people who are interested about the idea, not the not the details. So that's what we're going to talk about that just overview how actually works, and then we're going to dive into the meat and potato of WebRTC. And we're going to demystify every single thing out there. WebRTC. In order to explain that, you gotta understand NAT, and I thought I understand NAT, and apparently I did not. <laughs> so I dove deep into NAT, learned a lot about NAT types and method and translation method. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what is stun, what is turn, what is ice, what is SDPU signaling, this DB. All of this stuff exists for a reason. So always ask the why and then find out how to use it. Only if you know what exists. Once you know, it's powerful. Then we'll go through a demo, guys. I'm going to do a demo. And uh, for the demo, guys, I'm not going to do the media chat that every single one uh, <laughs> in the tutorial does. I'm going to do a simple chat between two parties. And I'm guess what? I'm not even opening Visual Studio Code or anything like that. We're going to literally open two browsers and let them communicate with each other. How? We're going to write code in Dev and the dev tools because that's the best thing every single line of code i'm gonna write it from scratch and every single line of code we're gonna explain it because that's what we do here no copy and paste no magic socket io that does everything for us no 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 we don't do magic here we understands everything so we're going to talk then about the pros and cons about rtc guys what's bad what's good about this technology right because nothing is perfect obviously and whether it's for you or not and then i added in uh, another section to talk about anything with rtc and beyond because there's so much that i can't possibly cover so i'm going to point you to a lot of resources and you're going to find in this uh, youtube video description you're going to find tons of resources that i've researched and collected from you guys from my own research so feel free to touch up upon all these resources to learn more about them. How about we jump into it? So WebRTC overview. So the first question is, why did we build this thing? We built it because we needed to transmit media that is audio and video in a, in a, in a standardized way, in a low, low latency way. When I say standardized, I mean I need an API that is simple to use. And when I say low latency, I mean there. I, I need a proper protocol, so UDB is always a good choice, right? Because there is no much uh, acknowledgments going on there. But still, we need a little bit better protocol. So we need a peer-to-peer -peer connection. Because if I rely on another server to rely my content, that adds the latency. Because there is, uh, whether it's a reverse proxy or it's a turn hub, you have to terminate the traffic, look at the traffic, process the traffic, and then re-encrypt, decrypt the traffic, and then go go by your own merry way and transmit to the other side. So this is all adds cost. And, and for the video, that you don't want to do that because uh, especially when you're live streaming or doing something like that, you want to chat, you want things to come as fast as possible. So peer-to-peer -peer is the fastest path. That's what we want here. So how do we talk peer-to-peer? -peer, right? Is this torrent? kind of thing yeah kind of we'll talk about that and also enables rich communication between browsers browsers for the longest time we didn't have rich stuff now we have all this beautiful video and we have access to the camera we have access to the mic let me use it right well without writing my own app from scratch let's just fire up the browser and has all the apis i need and just hmm, 
use it. So uh, in an IoT, mobile browser devices, they all just communicate once you have this WebRTC. We're going to demystify this stuff. So let's go through a scenario. What exactly happens in WebRTC? This is what happens. A want to connect to B, right? And they don't know each other. <laughs> that, this is the funny part. A does not know that it wanted to connect to B because how, how does it know, right? They just, just want to know this, this information. So A needs first to find all possible ways that the public can connect to it. Not B, but the public. Who can connect to me? Hey, do I have a public IP address that people can just hit and use? Well, <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe not, right? If not, then do I have any access? Like, uh, is my router allowing me to expose my port forwarding rules? Do I have, uh, do I have a public presence on the router? All this stuff. We're going to talk about it in details. B does the exact same thing, and what they also do some more stuff. They they ask, hey, this is the encryption I support. This is the security parameters I support. This is the the video compression I support. So. And it start collecting information. Remember, it doesn't. It didn't send it to the other party yet. It just collects a lot of information, and it creates this what we call an offer. So then, A and B start signaling this session information that they collected, right? Their encryption keys, their their security parameters, their audio, their video information, their 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 communication public. IP addresses, anything, and then somehow this file, this information, becomes like a huge bunch of hunk of string. And need, this needs to be transmitted to B somehow. How? Wobartis, he comes and says, we don't care. <laughs> Just transmit it to the another communication. You might say, come back, Hussein, wait a second. I came to WebRTC to communicate from A to B. If I have already a way to communicate from A to B, I wouldn't need WebRTC. <laughs> so that's the silly part in WebRTC. It's like, well, it might sound silly if you think about it. Well, yeah, you, we'll, we'll let you connect A to B as long as you're already connected because we, we need you to send some stuff. It's like, what? <laughs> that's kind of silly. But if you think about it, Whatever communication you're going to have is not going to be as fast and as optimal as WebRTC. So throw this bunk, a bunch of string that you collected, this information, this session information that's called SDP, Session Description Protocol, and send it over to B somehow. Tweet it at him or her. Uh, do a QR code and scan it. Uh, send it via WhatsApp or WebSockets. That's the popular thing, by the way. HTTP fetch or, or XHR. Send it somehow. It's just string. It's just a bunch of a string collected. And then once you send it, B does the same thing and send their information back to you. And then we will know how to communicate with each other behind the scenes without this signaling protocol that's what's called signaling right without whatsapp without qr without tweet without WebSocket, without any of this stuff so now finally a connects to b via the most optimal path and that's how things work so let's go to an example so a want to connect to b this is it. so as ask question how can people reach me 
hey, you can reach me from A1, A2, A3. You might say, what is this, right? These are public interfaces. Like, hey, this might be the public IP address of A. This might be a NAT, traversed public IP address. This is another method of communication via, I don't know, uh, another third party. So it finds all possible communication. It also finds security parameters, media information operation. And then B does is exactly the same thing. And then somehow they communicate to each other. This is how they communicated. How? It's not through this internet network. No, it's some offline concept, right? WhatsApp. And then once a finds the B's information. Oh, looks like B2 is the available optimal path. Let's use it. And A1 will say, oh, uh, and B will say, hey, A1 looks like the optimal path. They will essentially connect directly. That's the shortest possible path, right? And this is the internet. So there are like lots of hops in the middle, but who cares? So that's essentially how WebRTC works, guys. How about we demystify it with actual word instead of doing all that stuff, right? The overview. To, in order to demystify WebRTC, we really need to understand NAT, and we're going to understand it deeply. So we're going to dive deep into details of NAT here, right? Network address translation. And then we're going to explain why do we need stun, right? And then why do we need turn, and what is that really? Then we're going to explain ICE. Then we're going to explain the SDP, the session description protocol, that thing that we sent via WhatsApp, as we, as we said. And then we're going to describe the signaling, which is the WhatsApp or the WebSocket or the QR or the tweet, right? And the signaling of SDP, right? All of this will be explained again. Then we're going to jump into a demo soon. So network address translation. Guys, if you have a public IP address exposed, you don't have any problem because you will listen on a port, right, uh, like a web server, and then you will give this port to someone and the public IP address and someone will connect to you directly. That's how if you spin up a, an AWS EC2 instance, that's exactly what you get. You get a public IP address. So that's pretty cool, right? So that's the idea. But if you are behind NAT, which is almost everybody is, <laughs> right if you have a router and your uh, mac or windows is connected to the wi-fi or lan you're behind that so you don't have a public ip address your router does right and your router has a public ip address let's say 5555 and your router also have a it has a private ip address and it's called the gateway and this is you and other device will be two three four five six seven okay so that's that's the private IP address. And we talked about that, guys, many times on this channel. Check out the video right here. But this is what you want to go to. You want to go to 444480. You want to, I don't know, this is a web server. This is Google. This is somewhere, right? How do you, how do you visit that, right? What you're going to do is you going to construct the packet, say, hey, I want to make a GET request to 444480. And this is my source IP address, 10.0.0.2.8992. The first thing your machine does is says, okay, can I actually communicate with 444480, right? It does something called subnet masking. It says, okay, is this in the same subnet norm, subnet mask? So it's going to do 255.255.255.0, and it's going, to ma uh, it's going to do an XOR, I think an AND, not an XOR. And then we'll say, oh, this is definitely not in my <laughs> subnet, right? Because it's going to end up with 444 and yours is 00, 10.0.0, right? So it's not in the same network. So I cannot communicate directly to this IP. So if 
the machine cannot directly communicate to that. If it's not like, I don't know, 10.0.0.3, for example, it will say, hey, gateway, help, help, help. You should know how to communicate to this. I don't. So you will send this to the gateway, which is 10.0.0.1. And you might say, Hussein, do I replace the IP address to, to be 10.0.0.1? No, if you do, you're going to lose the fact where you're going. So what you do is you add an ARP request and you add the MAC address of the router. So we talked about all of that in that video. And then somehow your, your machine delivers this to the router. And the router says, okay, this machine is, this, this device, this packet is not really intended for me right because not this is the destination is not 10.0.0.1 but it was sent to me for, through the layer 2 framing right because the, the destination mac is me as a router that means that this guy or gal want to go to outside war but guess what i'm not gonna let you go outside the world like this naked because nobody will understand 10.0.0.2 you're gonna get slaughtered out there it's a very dangerous world out there take this right so what what the router will do okay let me talk on behalf of you because i understand the wild wild west and i have a public ip address to talk to the rest of the people out there so it does it replaces that it replaces the fact that it's it's just 10.0.0.2 with another different port Right? And we talked about that random ports just randomly so we can know how to send that information back. But before it does that, it creates a beautiful table. And this is called the NAT table. It says, okay, internal IP 10.0.0.2 with internal port 8.9.9.2 wanted to communicate to 4.4.4 on port 80. And I have, as a router, assigned an external IP address 5.5.5.5.3.3.3.3. And that, let me remember that. So if I got information back, I know how to swizzle and change the IP address to send it back. So let's, let's continue. I send that information back and the server gets the get, get request. We, we process the information, we get request, and I mean, I know, query, uh, query the database, uh, get an index to the HTML page, whatever. And the server now is about to respond. What does it respond to? Does it respond to this? No, because it doesn't know. It responds back to the router, 555333. That's, the, that's what it was received, right? Okay, 200, okay. Let's do this. We're going to send it back. It sends it back to the router. The router looks at it and says, okay, who is 555333, the destination? Because it's not definitely it's not for him or her, <laughs> the router, right? So the router says, okay, let me look at the table, 5553. Oh, Oh, that's this. Let me swizzle that back, right? To 10.0.0.8.9.9.2. And then now I know what, which server to send it to. I send it back. So that's how NAT works, right? I have to explain it. I know it's going to be a long video, guys, but this is very critical to understand because once you understand this, you can understand what part you see because there is, there is so much to NAT other than this. Okay. And that's it. So let's discuss the NAT translations method or translation methods maybe. So there is, there are four types. And again, guys, the router, the router, I don't know why it sounded British. The router, the router have four methods, but every router have a different implementation to be honest. 
not not every router will 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 implement this the same way. It's just different simulation. So take that with a grain of salt. But this is just in the main implementation method, translation method. There is one to one NAT. It's called full can NAT, full cone NAT, address restricted NAT, port restricted NAT, and symmetric NAT. We're going to talk about them now one by one. All right. But just know that WebRTC by default works beautifully with these three. It does not like this one. Right. That's why we need another mechanism. Once you have symmetric NAT, you're basically useless to me. <laughs> I I rather communicate with WebSocket. That's my opinion, personal opinion. Once you have this, when you, when you fit into this scenario, just throw WebRTC. I, in my opinion, just throw it. I, I, I don't see a value for it, unless that maybe the, the beautiful API and stuff like that. But we'll, we'll discuss. But again, 90% of the communication is actually done with these three. Let's communicate. Let's, let's, let's explain these things. So one-to-one -one NAT or full con NAT. Full con NAT. Packets to external IP port on the router always map to the internal port IP without an exception. So let's say you, you, you have a public presence of 555333, right? Which you created, which we pinched hold when we, when we visited 444880, right? If someone sent you a packet to this, to the router, the router, if if it's configured as a one-to-one -one NAT, it will always, always send the packet to you. It does not check the, check the where is it coming from, whether it's coming from four 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 or six 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 or any other IP address or any other port. It does not care. It will automatically forward that. So that's called full count NAT. Okay, let's take an example. Here's a NAT table with pre-configured IPs. Right, this is the current state of the NAT table. This is you, this is the router, and there are four packets that are incoming. I want to let you know that we're going to go through each packet and see which one will pass, which one will fail. So this packet is directed to 555333. This one is also the same thing. This one, so all of them are directed to the router on port 3333. And the IP address is the public IP address of the router. So technically, what we want is we want to go to 10.0.0.2.8.9.9.2. This is the package want to be delivered to this. But let's see. When one-to-one -one NAT or full coin NAT, can we do it? Well, let's see. This is going to this. We don't care. We don't check where is it coming from. This one is coming from this IP address and this port. Let it through. This one is coming through. This is let it through. Because I can't find it. It's right there, right? Let it through. Once it's there in my NAT, I'm going to allow it. Let it through. Let it through. I don't care. That's one-to-one -one NAT. Beautiful. Because once you have one-to-one -one NAT, if your router is configured this way, and I truly don't know how to find out if your router is configured to be this without actually testing it, right? That's one-to-one -one NAT. So this is the best thing we can do. That means once I visited something, right, and I and I got this IP address, if I got this information, if I got the fact that I am 5555 on port 3333, I can send it to someone else and they can send me stream of content, of packets, without them having to establish pre-communication with them. Right? That's, that's great, right? That's great for WebRTC. That's great for peer-to-peer. -peer. Let's continue. Address restricted NAT, because some, some routers will restrict. It says, you know what, this is a little bit dangerous. We want at least, at least to restrict some of this stuff. 
yeah, if you're gonna visit this port, this IP address, we wanna let you know at least, did we actually communicate with you before? Are you good? Are you not shady? That's what we want. So we check the address. That's why it's called address restricted now. So packets of the external IP port on the router always map to the internal as long as the source address from the packet matches the table, regardless of the port. If we found that we, we visited you before, whether in this entry or other entries in the NAT, we're going to let you in, so on. Because that means we trusted you before. We communicated. So the, the firewall actually allowed you in. So you're kind of good. We'll allow it. So allow if we communicated with this host before. That's what it means. All right. Example. So according to this new piece of information, what would pass and what would succeed and what would uh, fail? So let's see. Now we, get, we need to look at this, right? <laughs> now we have to. We cannot not look at this. So we're going through this, and this is coming 4444. Did we visit 444 before? Yeah, yeah, it's right there, right? So this will pack, it will pass. Let's look at this. This is going to 555333, right? But it is address this, right? Well, we, we didn't visit this address for, for that particular pair, but we did visit it on another pair with another communication. So let it in because we trusted this IP address. How about this? Well, well, 333, we just visited it, right? Let it in. 9812, uh, nope, it's not on my, nope, we have not communicated with this before, I'm sorry, if I did not communicate with you, I do not trust you, right, so we allow communication from addresses that we actually communicated with before, doesn't matter how, maybe we sent a UDP packet, maybe we sent a DNS request, maybe we sent a telnet request, as long as you sent some packet and it is in your NAT table, you're good. Let's go through port restricted now. So it's exactly the same thing, but you have to match both address and port. Let's, th let's, go, <laughs> let's go through an example, I guess, right? It's easier this way. So port restricted NAT is port and address restricted NAT. So let's look at this. Did this puppy visit me, 444 and port 80? Well, it's right there, so it's going to let it pass. Did 3333 port 22 visited me? Oh, no, they did not, right? Because this is 333 port 80. This is 333 port 22. So, nah, nope. So, this packet comes from 333-8080. Oh, yeah, we did visit 3880 right there. So, we'll then allow it in. This guy, is not, this address is not even there in my table. So, nah. So, that's port restricted now. Symmetric nest is the most restricted one, and to me, it's, it's the one that makes more sense. Security-wise, that is, right? So you can send me packets if exactly you matched the same full pair. I don't, I'm not looking at the whole table. I'm looking at the thing that you want to request. You want to go to 555533333? You better be the actual destination and port. If you're not, I'm not going to let you in. That's exactly it. So it has to be the exact same four pairs, which is very, very, very restrictive. It's a symmetric, right? That's why there's a symmetry, right? We're not looking at something else, right? Let's take an example. So for this guy, that's the only pair that matches. Hey, I want to go to 5555 on port 3333, right? Okay, who are you? You better be 4444 on port 80. Oh, well, you are? Let me let you in. <laughs> But let's take another example. 
I'm going to 444, four, four, but I am 3333 three, 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 three and 422. Well, are you 444? Four, four? Nope, you're not. But, but wait, I am actually an address that I visited. No, I don't care. You better be the same exact match that we visited you before that for that particular entry. Nope. <laughs> How about this? 33380? Nope. No, but I'm, I'm right there. No, I don't care. You better be right here, star. <laughs> so, bang. And obviously, this address doesn't even exist. So, bang. So, that's, that's how symmetric net works. And this does not work with WebRTC. We're going to find out why. Because, because WebRTC uses something called a stun server, we're going to know. And then, and then it literally communicate with the stun server and gives you the IP address. And guess what? Once it does that, it opens a public presence. But guess what? If it's symmetric net, that means only the stun server can communicate back to you. You cannot send that public information and send it to, to some shady peer-to-peer -peer Alice all over the globe to communicate to you because that pair was created for the stun server so that so that's that's why it doesn't work so let's go ahead and complete stun speaking of stun session traversal utilities for network address translation session traversal utilities for nat stun just weird naming to be honest right so we traverse the session this is it's a bunch of utilities right one of the utilities is just hey Tell me my public IP address and port through NAT. That's, a, that's, that's, that's the job of STEM. So you can see how cheap this thing to run, right? Because, hey, I'm going to communicate to you. Take my source and port IP address, uh, ports and, and the, the layer for information and put it in a packet and then send it back to me as data. <laughs> that's what it does, right? So it works with full com. It works with port address restricted NAT. It does not work with symmetric NAT as we explained. Why? Because the moment I ask you to give me my public information, that pair was created just for you, if it's symmetric that. So I cannot use it for somewhere else. It's symmetric. So it's going to be symmetric with you and me. That's it. It's you and me, Papa. That's it. You don't go, you go, you don't involve the, the pote. Stun server usually runs on port 3478, but doesn't have to. You can spin it on any other port, just like any other application. And for TLS, for secured stun, you can do 5349. And it's cheap to maintain because you can literally spin up a Docker container that has a stun server and it's very, very lightweight because it doesn't do anything. It just literally responds back with the content. Right? There is a format, obviously, but that's why Google gives you public stun servers because they, can, they don't care. They're so, they're so cheap to maintain. Let's go through a stun request. And then... And, and, uh, did we talk about why we need a stun, right? This stun server, we need it so we can find out our public presence, so we can communicate this public presence to someone else so they can communicate with us. That's the goal of stun, because we're behind NAT. If we have a public IP address like we did in the 1996 or 1998 and 1980 and early 2000s, we wouldn't have a problem. <laughs> but unfortunately, we do have to use this. So here's what do what do we do? We create a packet. It says, okay, I want to request my stun. This is just normal, random package, right? This is the destination nine 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 three four seven eight. I want to go to this stun server, and this is my IP address. This is my random port. Send it to the router. Router does natting. Change that. Hey, I can't let you go naked, right? Let me put some cloth on. Put my public IP address. Poof. Send it over. 
obviously create the NAT. Just that's like normally, just like anything else, right? And then they send it to a server, and the server say, "Yeah, what is this exactly? You want it done? Sure, I'm gonna take your public presence, right? Now you are five 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 three 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 three. Push it into a packet, literally just response into a packet, and send it back to the server." to the router now the router will change that information it will change 55533 right remember because it looks in the net and change it we just lost the information that we are 555333 but we did not really because we send it as a packet and it's also encrypted if you if you're uh, through the encryption tls right <laughs> so technically now i know this packet information i'll send it to the user i all of a sudden know my public presence that's what a stun does very very lightweight very simple this is what stun when it works let's take an example so i am uh, an ip address 192.168.1.2 behind a router obviously i just didn't draw it because i don't have space and this is another computer on another router on another ward right 10.0.0.2 also behind a full cone net which is a one-to-one -one net right which is the best thing so this asked me hey who I am? You are five 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 three three three. That's exactly what we showed that in detail, right? B, this machine also does the same question. Who am I? Hey, you're seven 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 on port four 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 four. And now both of them have information, and they exchanged it somehow with the, with the signaling that we're going to talk about. Now this one talk to this it says, hey seven 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 three. I am five five three. Let's connect. <laughs> if it's full connect, remember. Those guys didn't connect before, but because it's full cone NAT, it's gonna allow it in. It's just, sure, I'm gonna allow everybody in my home. It's full cone NAT. It's not even address restricted. If it's address restricted, we're gonna explain a little bit. Let's finish this up. All right. So now I respond. Oh, sure, let's connect. But let's say if I am behind an address restricted NAT, what are we gonna do? Obviously, the moment you send that request, it's gonna fail because it's like, who are you? I don't know you right so what you need to do is you need to at least establish a communication prior with this server right so you want to communicate to the server somehow you send a packet and you establish presence with this right so so that so that this address is saved here and both of them should communicate just at least randomly right once you communicate the address of this will be saved in the routers this routers right and the address of this will be set in this router so they will they will have matching addresses so their addresses will match and now i can actually send information but before that i cannot communicate right so this machine should attempt to connect first and then this machine should connect to attempt to connect for and then once they establish they will be allowed right and the same thing with the port right so and then that's it and this is the shortest path with the lowest latency that's the beautiful thing this here's a stun when it doesn't work. <laughs> so let's say this guy is behind a symmetric net, right? So you're gonna ask who I am, you're this, you're gonna ask who I am, you're this. But this guy wanna communicate to this person, but the moment says, okay, five five three three, yeah, you wanna go this, but I I gave this IP address. Oh, this is actually a wrong wrong thing. Let me fix it. Alright, we just fixed it. So I hey I want to connect to 77444. This is like, what? 
who are you? I created this entry. It's my NAT, but it was for this particular server, not you. I don't know you, sir. Nope, <laughs> you cannot connect. So that's the idea of creating this kind of content, right? You, you, ha you need this, this application to communicate with each other in order to allow that. But this is a scenario that basically doesn't exist. You cannot do it. You cannot communicate peer-to-peer. Meet, turn, traversal, using, relay, around, NAT, around it. Let's go around it. So that's basically, we, we know how this works. Like we have done a, a lot of applications as backend engineers that does exactly that. It just takes it back and forward. It's only, it's, that's, that's what a reverse proxy does, right? Almost, right? It's a little bit lighter weight in my opinion because it doesn't, doesn't just looks a layer form formation most of the time. It doesn't do deep packet inspection like layer seven proxying. But if in case of symmetric net, we have to use turn, right? It just, it's just a server that relays packets. It doesn't do anything else. Just, hey, I want to communicate with this. All right, let me do it. Let me just do it. So all the communication goes through that hub essentially it is expensive kind of expensive to maintain and run if you think about it it's not free right you kind of just have it <laughs> right so that's why nobody actually essentially provide turn servers for free for you you have to spin up your own essentially if you want to we're gonna we're gonna talk about that a little bit here's an example of turn so i am five 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 three 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 behind a symmetric net i'm also behind a symmetric net and says hey Send hello to seven seven four four, please. And this person, this this turn server, is gonna send that information to that. Why? Because they already established a trusted, NAT safe communication between them, and they also this this does the same thing. So you can respond back. I can respond back to you, and I respond back to you. Nobody's communicating directly. They all go through this turn server. <laughs> awesome. So now we have a bunch of turns, we have a bunch of stuns, right? There is so many options. How do I pick the appropriate option? Or or just collect all these options? Meet ICE, Interactive Connectivity Establishment. This is nothing fancy, but it's a protocol that says, hey, how back to the overview what are the different ways people can connect to me hey you can connect through this stun server this is a public ip uh, you can have a multiple stun servers i don't know one of them didn't work the other one will work right so you have multiple public ip addresses through your router and you have this turn server and by the way you have you have multiple local ip addresses because guess what maybe maybe your webrtc server or the client is on the same net so why would I need to communicate publicly? It's just let them communicate directly through each other. So it also adds the local IP addresses. It orders like the reflexive, uh, reflexive addresses, that one we talked about, stun ones, relayed through turn ones, all of that stuff. It just have this public IP addresses. In, this, in, turn, in the turn case, you're going to have the, the public IP address of the turn server as a candidate to, to, for relaying. That's how you do it, essentially. So that's what I says. It just collects all information and shoves it into something that we call the SDP, which, which is the most important thing in WebRTC, in my opinion. And these are called ICE candidates. So the IP address, local IP address, reflexive address, all of these addresses are called ICE candidates. Right? So if you heard this ICE candidate, that means this is the possibilities of things that you can communicate through me. You pick. What do you want? 
because one might work one what doesn't work one doesn't one 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 might actually work right and collecting ice candidates this trickling concept takes time we're going to show in the example the demo it really takes time so you guys have a wait and made mistake of not waiting and i got all kind of errors all the collected addresses are sent to the remote peer via sdp go down go peer via sdp session description protocol this shows up again this is dp thing this is the most important thing that's the file that's the hunk of string that we're gonna shove all the ice information all the video all the media all the security information in the string it's just a bunch of long ass string that we just send via whatsapp to the other party or send via tweet to other parties so they can know about us right so that's ice ice very 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 critical and we're gonna show in the code SDP, 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 Session Description Protocol. Description, focus on the word description because it's going to show up in the code a lot. All right, so it's a format that describes the ICE candidates. It describes the networking option, describes the media option, describes the security option, other stuff as well. So much stuff, so stuff that I don't even understand, to be honest, right? There's so much junk in this stuff you can add your own junk in this dp if you want to like this is exactly what discord did check out the discord video that they used WebRTC and they customized the sdp they said oh, wait a second we're not we're not going to use a stone we're going to use our own term beautiful uh what are they called voice servers right so they built their own sdp customized and they just used that right so you can do you can do that that's what discord did so it's not really a protocol it's a format in my opinion i don't know why it's called protocol but no who knows most important concept in webrtc is this sdp this is the file that's the string the goal is this take the sdp generated by the user and send it somehow quote unquote somehow to the other party and once you send it to the upper other party we're done how do we send it i don't care and that's that kind of nice double-edged sword with WebRTC. And makes writing WebRTC a little bit complicated if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't understand. And that's why I, I don't like using a uh, uh, kind of framework that does everything for you. Because if you, don't under, if you just use a tool that does all the magic for you without you as an engineer. Again, I'm not talking about users. I'm talking about you as an engineer. You are an engineer. Take pride of your work and understand everything that you're using. Do not use black boxes, guys. Do not. You have to understand how this works. Because if it breaks, it's shameful that you don't understand how to fix it, right? Or what happened, right? You might disagree with me on this one. But if you use WebRTC, know how it works. Don't use Socket IO and just some tools that, hey, it does this the magic and just everything is great and amazing. No, this is not. Yeah, don't don't do that. It's deep example. This is how it looks like. This is just an example. It's a basically attributed. So, uh, one character equal value. Equal value, equal value. And there is A attribute. So A equal this, A equal this. This is the ice candidate that we talked about. So this is, I guess, this is the pub, uh, This is my private IP address. So this is another private IP address and, and, and so on, right? So this then gives you another option. So many options. Obviously, it uses UDP by default. But yeah, so powerful stuff. Signaling. So what is signaling? The idea of signaling is, hey, I just have this beautiful string now, right? 
This is I just generated. I sto- I, I, I did all the ice candidate. I did all the security option. Now I have this file. Send it to the other party. How? I don't care. A lot of people use WebSockets and Socket.io to transfer this information for to the other party because you just establish a communication, then send this. As you find more candidates, you send it, right? So you signal that. The idea is wait for all the ice candidates to finish because it takes time, obviously. Looking for the network takes time. Once you're done, create that SDP and just do a QR code and then send, uh, post it on Twitter and someone will scan it and they will have the SDP. Send it via WhatsApp. Send it via tweet. Who cares? WebSocket, HTTP, does not matter. Just send the dang string to the other party. That's the signaling, right? No more, no less. Right. I tried to go through this video, through the steps of the, the important steps here. Once we understand everything, now we have signaling, right? So when someone said, oh, it's DP signaling, you know what it means, right? It's basically, let's send this information to other party, all right? Again, the funny part is, hey, I'm going to communicate with you, right, through WebRTC, but uh, first, please communicate with the other party and send it this. It was like, what the heck are you talking about? I I am using WebRTC so we can communicate. If I already have a communication, why do I need you? (laughs) That's what confused me the most in WebRTC. But once I understood that, okay, WebRTC can give you a little bit more performance than nice API with a peer-to-peer connection, eh, it's maybe worth it. So you're going to ex- establish an expensive WebSocket server that does the signaling, and then once you're done, you relay down to WebRTC. That, now that starts to make sense. But guys, if you have questions, if, you have, if you're questioning something because you don't understand it, that means you're on the right path, Right? Don't let people bully you into thinking that, oh, your question is dumb. You should not ask these questions. Ask everything. Everything. You have to ask everything. Because guess what? The, if you have a question, a lot of the time, a lot of someone else will have the same exact question. Question everything. Do not care about what people think. WebRTC demystified. So this is exactly what's happened exactly exactly what happened in the code here's the thing a wants to connect to b a creates an offer what's an offer you say you just mentioned this word we didn't ever mention it <laughs> don't don't worry offer is just exactly the sdp it's just another name for it right so we create an offer what does an offer do it finds all the ice candidate which we talked hey you can connect it to me through this public ip address and this public address and three public ip address and this port and by the way if that didn't work you can also communicate through turn because this turn server this turn server this turn server this this ip address of the turn server and also by the way just in case i don't know because <laughs> you might want to communicate locally if you live next to me if you're my phone that's connected to my same wi-fi Here's my I have private IP address. And, and by the way, that's, that's a security flaw. <laughs> the, exposing the local IP address in the IP address, someone named Sammy, I forgot his last name, just literally, I read this article yesterday, used the fact that we, the browser knows your private IP address to actually infiltrate the network. And we're going to talk about it in another video. But... Boy, that was amazing. 
and tells you like we expose all sorts of stuff that we don't at that time we don't know how harmful it is but once you do oh boy so he in a nutshell he used the application layer gateway extension in the router to 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 essentially with the knowledge that the private ip address to expose pretty much all the ports any port in the I, I, in the in the local machine, and he was able to access it from from a malicious server. That was beautiful. Well done, sir. So yeah, it exposes also the uh, local IP address in the SDP, right? And then once we have this beautiful offer, which is basically the SDP, we signal it. We signal the offer somehow to be that's WhatsApp, right? Just send it through WhatsApp, right? And then. B creates the answer after setting A's offer. Ooh. So it takes that uh, offer and then sets it locally. It's, it's local description, local session description. So this is concept of local description, local session description, and remote session description. So local description is the local one that's yours, and the, the, and the remote description is the remote one. So because you're going to have two SDPs, right? Every party will have two SDPs. One is local, one is remote. So remember this when we get to the code. So B creates the answer, which is its own SDP. It's just called an answer. And then B signals the answer to A. Right? Again, when you create the answer, you get to wait for all ICE candidates to trickle before you actually send it. Send the SDP. Otherwise, you're going to have a half-assed SDP. And if you have a half-assed SDP, that's useless, basically. Right? And then finally, connection is created. Wowzy. Let's do the demo. Let's do the demo. All right. Let's do the demo, guys. So we're going to have two browsers. It's in my same machine. So sorry about that because I don't have another machine to test again, but it's the same exact code. Doesn't matter. So we have browser A and browser B. We're going to use the dev tools to write this because I want to make it as simple as possible so you can see. And then you take that code, guys, and, and then you just do it on a large scale. Because once you understand the first principle, nothing can stop you. So A will create an offer. Browser A will create an offer. That's the SDP. And set it as a local description. That's my local description. B will get the offer. So we're going to send that string to B, to the browser B. And then we'll set it as a remote description because it's not as, right? It's the remote description. And then B will create an answer, sets it as local description because that's that's the its own SDP. And then we're going to signal the answer back to B. That's the copy, the string, and paste it. And then A sets the answer as a remote description, and that will establish the channel, right? And we're also going to create a data channel, and we're going to just send chat between each other. That's a simple thing, right? We can do the exact same thing with video, but why? Let's just make it simple, right? There are tons of videos out there uh, that explains how to do medias and stuff. We're caring about the basic fundamentals here. How about we jump into it? All right, guys. So I have opened the dev tools on both sides. This is my local peer A, right? And this is peer B. Right, that's what we're going to communicate to. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to create a local connection equal new. I'm going to zoom in so you can see called RTC peer connection. That's just exist in your uh, in your in, in your browser, right? And the latest, obviously, I'm assuming you have the latest browser, and that's like that, right? We created an RTC peer connection, right? And what I'm going to do here is. 
I am going to create a data channel. So I'm going to have a data channel, right? Equal lc.createDataChannel. Data channel. That's the channel that we're going to communicate through, right? We'll give it, give it a name. I don't know. Channel. Anything, right? And once we have the channel, we're going to now just have some some metadata associated with this channel. So the most important thing is when we receive a message, I want you to print the following, right? Console.log just got a message. And then plus e.data. That's how the message looks like. So it's a function. It's an event essentially. And I'm going to do also on on open because that's an important function as well. And I guess just okay. Connection open because that's a that's that's a very important thing to see, right? And that's it. That's the most important thing we can we gonna know. What else we're gonna do? Once we have this information, we want guys. Remember, we are about to create an offer. But before I create an offer, I want to know every time I get an ICE candidate, I want to reprint the service de description protocol. Uh, the the format is DP. I want to reprint it, reprint it every time because until we stopped getting ICE candidate, we cannot really stop printing because we have no idea when the SDB will actually form and finish, right? So what I'm going to do next is take the local connection dot on ICE candidate. There is a, a function and says literally uh, take an information. This is the event, and this function does literally nothing but prints the local description. What is the local description? It's essentially just, uh, let's just uh, do a function here, console.log says uh, new ice candidate reprinting is DP. Just reprint it because it's very important to reprint it. How do we print it? It's actually json.stringify and let's close this function and this function is uh, it's a json object what is the json object it's lc dot what is we're going to print the local description that's the sdp that's the sdp that's the local sdp that one we're going to create but this is just a function and this was going to be called multiple times until we we are done with the ice candidate okay so that's a very important event All right we can essentially don't do this event and just wait normally just like for annual 10 seconds 12 seconds but it, that's just sounds lame right because we want to see what's happening right so the next thing we're gonna do is essentially create the offer so lc dot create offer that's the sdp because it doesn't exist and this is a promise so beautiful we deal with the promises all the time so dot then right and then we get an offer o and what do we do with the offer we actually set the offer on the local description. So all you have to do is do lc.set local description and set the all, right? The offer is what? Is the SDP, guys, right? And we're going to set it as my local session description. Beautiful. And then when this is done, we can just do, I don't know, console.log set successfully. Boom, boom. Let's do it, guys. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. We got two ice candidates because this is two, right? Printed twice. And this is looks like this is my this is it. This is my ice candidate.
See, I'm going to take, this is a JSON object. So I'm going to copy this guy. And now I'm, I'm about to do signaling. So I'm going to take this. I'm going to tweet it. I'm going to do a send it via WhatsApp. And somehow it reached the other party, which is party a, a, B. So I'm going to create a constant here called offer equal paste. <laughs> Look at this beautiful. This is, this is the SDP, by the, by the way. So SDP, so type is offer, uh, look at this, it's connect through this UDP port, network cost is this, so generation, ice option, trickled, all of that stuff. Once we have it, we have an object. What do we do next? What do we do next? We create uh, the, not the local connection, this is the remote connection, right? So RC equal new RTC peer connection. Same thing. Boom. What do we do X? We're going to do something fancy here. Same thing, right? We need, we still need the same ice candidate concept, right? And uh, so I'm going to steal a function from this guy. But I'm going to change this from uh, LC to RC. Right, so I need, and this is also RC. So I, on, when every time we get a new ice candidate, I want you to reprint the SDP. That's very, very critical because that's for, we're gonna use it for the answering. Right, nice. What else I'm gonna need? What else I'm gonna need? I need actually, guys, to. Here's the thing: the data channel that we created here, we're not gonna create a new data channel. We're gonna actually receive it from the other party because that's the initiator this is the receiver so like like a client server so how do i get the data connection so const data connection is is actually rc.on data channel when we get a new data channel we get a new function here and then and let's just take a look at this function we're going to create a brand new function when we get it i'm going to save that channel where do we save it rc dot data channel so i'm going to create a new variable here it's just easier for me to to add it as a property of the channel right and then equal e dot channel and that's it so e dot channel is the data channel that we receive so the moment we establish the communication we're going to capture the data channel and we're going to add our own beautiful stuff so we still need to do rc dot dc dot on message right so what do we do here anything really console dot log new message from client and uh, we do e dot data boom so that's that's the function that prints things that when we receive messages from the client so now rc dot dc dot on open very important as well console.log connection opened so that's when we hey we just got the connection all good right it's very very critical stuff and that's it now what else do we need to do guys now that we have all the pieces that the thing we need to do is we need to send the remote description right set remote description with the what with the offer and when this is done, we want you to say, hey, console, once you have that, just tell me that it's done, right? Hey, uh, offer set. 
It's just that because it's a, it's a, it's a promise. Boom. We set the offer. So we took the offer. We set the remote description. What's, re what's remaining? Two things remaining. We need to set the local um, description of my remote server, which is rc.set local description. But in order to do that, what do we do? We create something called an answer. And once you create an answer, you get a beautiful answer here, right? So it's a promise. Once you get it, you do rc.set local description. Let's just clear this up so you guys see it. And then zoom in. We set it as A. But that's a, also a promise. So once this is done, we say, all right, console.log answer created. Boom. All right. So that will set the answer and that will trickle the ice candidate. And once we have all the ice candidate, we got two. We now have our answer. I'm going to copy this exact puppy. Go back to my client. Const answer equal this. I'm signaling back now. Signaling that SDP back to the client. Boom. We got the answer. What do we do with the answer, guys? We essentially just have one thing remaining, which is local connection that set remote description answer. And we have we can wait, decide to wait, or we'll just just do that. And let's pray. That is done. Look what we have. Connection opened. Connection opened. So we got the connection. We got the data channel. So now if I do dc.send, which is the data channel here, and I can say, yo, peer, B, what up? Immediately got it. The unmessage data channel was received here. I'm going to copy the and paste the code for you guys as well in the in the description or maybe I'm going to push it to uh push it to GitHub. So we got you B, what up? And now we do what how, how do I send message back? Oh, we have it. DC rc.dc remember? Dot send. Fine. What about you? Fam. And then we got it back. <laughs> That's the simplest, most elegant WebRTC I can think of, right? You can do the same exact thing with a, a media or a mic. The only difference that you do is you do lc.addTrack. That's the only difference. You create a stream from your video from my camera, and you throw that camera stream to the ad track, and it works exactly, exactly the same, right? So once you copy this code, you whether this is the same machine because they found this the fastest way to communicate through the my public i my private ip errors right which is uh, i believe one of those right i think it's a, the ipv6 they went through the ivp6 to communicate so guys that's it that's how we do webrtc very simple again you can you can pause the video and watch me what i did or just basically uh, copy it from github i'm gonna push the code as well Back to the slides and let's complete this video. All right, guys. So the, the demo was awesome. It was very simple, elegant. That's what I like about things. I like to simplify and break things into its basic, most common components and understand every single line of code. Hopefully you enjoyed that. So how about we jump into the pros and cons? Pros. What is good about WebRTC? Peer-to-peer -peer -peer is great. That's the fastest path, right? I keep saying that, right? Because... 
if I can communicate to you directly, I do not have to go to an actual third party to communicate to you. It's just directly to you. Yeah, obviously it's the internet, so we're passing through all the routers, but all the routers, they don't look at the content if it's encrypted. Some some routers with, with ossified uh, protocols, uh, software, look, and sometimes they block, but no, most of them, they just pass the packets. So peer-to-peer -peer is great. Low latency for high bandwidth content is great. If you have UDP, just shove the UDP, just pipe and just throw all the content. That's beautiful video. Right? If you can get a pure peer-to-peer -peer UDP, that's that's low latency right there. Right? And if you're closer and closer to the to, to each other, you get you get either the best performance. Standardized API. You saw the API, it's very beautiful, very elegant, right? And then uh, it works right from my browser. I didn't, I didn't uh, open Visual Studio Code. I didn't install any NPM packages. I didn't do all of that garbage. I don't like to do any of that stuff. I like to work with the basic vanilla stuff. That's just me. All right. Cons. What's bad about this? Well, sometimes peer-to-peer -peer doesn't work, so you need a turn server. But maintaining stun and turn server if something is outside your jurisdiction let's say <laughs> that's a lot of work especially turn not much stun but turn servers that's a lot of work guys it's expensive obviously you're gonna maintain a public ip address you have to pay for it and then you you have to maintain make sure it's all up and running yeah and and uh, yeah all the traffic goes through that choke point i don't see a value to be honest compared to just uh, just just do a reverse proxy and and have an actual server that you have full vision right uh, on right, this is a centralized server that you control. Just do that application layer server. I might be wrong there, and I don't know. I have the numbers, but I still believe having more control over some 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 turn server, building your own from scratch is way better. And I believe that what Discord did, they built their own turn servers. Right, it's not just relaying packet. They have a little bit more control. They decrypt the traffic. They look at it definitely. <laughs> I don't, I don't, that's the thing, definitely, I say maybe they look at that graphic suit, because how, how else they can filter and see the stuff, right? Peer, allegedly, I don't know. Peer-to-peer -peer falls apart in case of multiple participants. Yeah, guys, yeah, that's what Discord did, exactly, right? Because let's assume you have 100 people want to communicate with each other. Would you establish a peer-to-peer -peer connection? That's what, hundreds times hundred. That's a lot of connections. Right, because everyone needs to connect to everybody. 99 times 99 times 99. That's, that, that's exactly what it is. 99 times 100. Right? So that's a lot of connections. It's a mesh, right? But if you have a centralized server, just connect everybody to that centralized server and, and you control the traffic. So everybody has one beautiful connection to you and you as a server has all the connections. So it's just way better, right? Sometimes WebRTC doesn't work for, for this gaming. You cannot build a game with multiplayer game with WebRTC. I mean, you can if it's three players, but I don't see it. I don't see it working with 100 players, to be honest. I might be wrong. More WebRTC stuff. Again, guys, all the resources that I, I researched during this journey is in the description. So knock yourself out. But let's talk about some of the stuff that I didn't discuss in this channel. Media API. That's I didn't I didn't discuss. I didn't show you guys. It's literally called Git User Media Function. You call it and, and you put it a dev element and it will show you the camera or the microphone. 
that gives you a beautiful object stream. You take that stream, you shove it into the RTC connection, and it works exactly like we explained. Right? So this is a nice tutorial by HTML Rocks. Uh, they explain this very nicely if you want to look at how to do like an actual video chat. right? But what we did is the basic concept. What you send does not matter. right? You can use the data channel to send anything you want. Right. But if you want, that's, that's for arbitrary data. But if you want to send media and audio, you use the stream and a proper stream that uses a different protocol. So on ice candidate, we saw that right function with that event, right? Every time I got an ice candidate from the system, that function was called, right? And you can see the ice candidate, e, I think e dot ice candidate, you can, you can get it. But I don't really care. I just want to reprint the SDB because the SDB will always get updated every time you get an ICE candidate. Hey, there's a stun server. Hey, there's this. And it's going to take more time if I was actually had a turn and, and stun server. But I didn't because I don't need to. I'm communicating locally. But I'm going to show you how to do that as well. So to maintain the connection as new candidate comes, you sometimes you need... Uh, let's say that that port that you were, you communicated with peer to peer just got destroyed. I don't know, got blocked by the firewall. You want to find a new ICE candidate. How do you communicate it? You already communicated the SDP, right? What if a new candidate comes after the SDP has been sent? That's when you use add ICE candidate, which is pretty neat. I didn't have to because. I'm not building a full-fledged application here, but some, some, some example out there actually shows you how to do this, right? And the idea is every time you get an outstanding on the client, you take it and you send it to the other party, either with a signaling or via the same exact SDP connection if, if, it, if, it, if it's already alive and well. So on ICE connection tells you a candidate tells you there is a new candidate after the SDP has already been created. The candidate is signaled and sent to the other party, and that's it. The SDP party use add candidate to add it to its SDP, right? So you get a new brand new SDP. So you can choose to resend that, but I don't think you need to. Once you add an ICE candidate, that's it. It's just, uh, it will be up to date, right? So that's another thing I wanted to talk about. Custom and turn stun server. To me, when I created an RTC peer connection, I didn't pass a configuration, but you can essentially decide to pass a configuration. And that configuration looks like this. You can essentially specify ICE servers. And ICE servers is, we know what ICE is now, right? This is my turn server. This is the username, credential, because you cannot just have free freebie server, right? You have to have credentials, right? So that's the stun server, stun server or Mozilla, for example. And this is the username, password, right? Some, some stun servers are public. We're going to show that. But that's how you create one. If you want to spin up your turn server, we're going to show how to do that. There is an example. There is a, an open source library that's spinning up your own turn server. And just get that IP address and shove it here. You're done. So you can create your own stun and turn server with this beautiful project called CoTurn. So give them a shout out. CoTurn, GitHub. It's a free open source project to spin up your own stun server. And once you have an IP address for that, you put in the ICE configuration as we showed here, voila, right? And then you have a be beautiful new ICE candidate. Public stun servers, you can use the Google ones. There's a, 
bunch of public stun servers, stun one, two, three, four. And there is one stun protocol here that I, I saw it. I don't know if it's working or not, but this is the one I collected from the internet as well. So yeah, we have a bunch of uh, stun servers you can use publicly if you want to. So for example, if you want this to actually work, you have to add a, a stun server. And uh, if you want to communicate with, with two parties that they don't live in the same NAT as I did. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you for the patience for this WebRTC because I made a video of WebRTC around two months ago explaining how complex this technology is. And I think I, I'm, I'm a little bit closer to the understanding of WebRTC and, and that's why I made the video, right? Again, there's so much we can dive deep into the SDP itself or the SIP protocol. There's so much other protocols that communicate. But I hope this video gave you the, the understanding and necessary understanding to understand WebRTC before you actually use it. Because I always say that don't use the technology without understanding it. It's just me. You can have your own opinion. But I believe anyone who uses the technology, you really need to understand it. Because you're an engineer, you have to take pride of your work. All right. Subscribe for more backend and, and other technology uh, topics. I'm going to see you in the next one. You guys stay awesome. Goodbye.